Hey, it's us, Amanda and Megan. Glad you're here. Grab your juice box. Let's dive right in. Hello. This week, we cannot wait to share with you an interview we recently had with Lynn Bowman. We connected with Lynn over our mutual love of kids and also great food. Her cookbook titled Brownies for Breakfast hooked us right from the beginning because who doesn't want brownies for breakfast? In this episode, Lynn shares with us unique insights as a grandmother and as someone who has honed in on some impressive food habits. So let's dive right in. Well, Lynn, are you ready? Can we dive right in? Are you ready for this? I thought we were diving in. (laughs) Well, we need to give you a proper introduction so that our listeners like really understand who you are. Is that okay? Nobody really understands who I am. Well, as as I said that, I was like, I don't even know who I am. What are we talking about? We don't know who we are. No, no. All right. Well, let's start with an introduction and please chime in if there's anything you want to add. So listeners, today we have with us our friend, Lynn Parmeter Bowman, and she is our resident glam grandma. I think Megan and I have kind of adopted her as our, as our, you know, not biological, but glam grandma. Yes, please. She's the author of the cookbook, Brownies for Breakfast, which Megan and I both own. And she has spent many years educating herself and her family and others on how to eat for longevity. Is that how you would say it, Lynn? Because that's, as I've read through all your stuff, it seems that way. It is that way, but I would add to that fun Fun. because there is no point in being old if if you're not healthy enough to have some fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well said, and fun is our middle name. We like that. So Lynn is also a huge supporter and advocate for real food and whole food, and you practice intermittent fasting, which we have a handful of listeners who also do intermittent fasting. So I think they'll find some commonalities with you as well. As well. Um, she's a huge supporter of the kitchen table, which we can't wait to talk about because we are too. And we've asked her to come on today to help educate us and our listeners and provide encouragement for all of us who are still trying to find ourselves at our own kitchen table. So Lynn, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me, ladies. And as we've already discussed, who really finds themselves I mean, I don't, I don't know a single person who would say, yes, I've found myself. <laughs> I know him. You know, what? No, we just keep looking. <laughs> thank keep you. Searching. Thank yeah. you for validating us. So that is, yes, yeah. thank you. And sometimes that search takes us to TJ Maxx, you know, <laughs> or, <laughs> or, 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 or uh, like that. But okay, too, as far as I'm concerned. I love that. Wonderful. Well, then... Can you tell us a little bit about your family, your kids and grandkids, because we are all about family on this podcast. So introduce us to your family a little bit. Okay. Well, first, they're all fabulous. Okay. If any of them are listening, you're fabulous. I love you. Um, I am married to one of the most fabulous men and have been for 33 years now. He's a nerd. And I want any ladies to, to know that one of the first lines he gave me was, try a nerd, you'll never go back. <sighs> and he, he's absolutely right. I have I have stuck with my nerd all this time. I've been happy. Uh, and uh, I when, when Roger and I were married, I had three obnoxious little kids. Um, 
who were born so long ago now. Uh, They are all in their 40s. They are wonderful. Uh, My oldest is a son who lives in North Carolina and uh, farms there and moves around a lot and does interesting things all over the world. He is also into food uh, and raising food, herbal things that are great for us. And um, so we share that interest. And then I, my middle child, uh, who has borne the burden of being the middle child, you <laughs> ladies know what that means. Uh, she's She is especially perfect as a result of that. And she lives four miles up the road and is the mother of my absolutely perfect granddaughter, Helen, who is now 15. Yes. And so I'm I'm fortunate to have them really close. They'll be here tomorrow night for Christmas Eve. And Fun. we're all set together. Right. And uh, Kelly is a community activist and she's a landscape architect. And so we share our politics um, in our little community together. And that's a lot of fun. And then, um, okay, youngest is Brynja, and she lives in Reno, Nevada. She is a nurse practitioner. She is, I, I love to talk about the fact that she is a cancer survivor who had her first baby at the age of 43. Wow. My perfect grandson. Wolf Erickson. Wonderful. Well, Lynn, it sounds like your oldest son shares a lot of similar loves and interests in food as you. Do your kids eat like you? And did you have any picky eaters growing up? Yes, they pretty much do eat like I do. Um, One of them, and I won't tell you who, might still have a bit of a sugar thing. Uh, (laughs) No judgment here. (laughs) And working on it. Yes, their 40s were still working on it. And friends. Um, But yes, they're they're highly conscious of health and related matters and 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 of the ground and the critter. I mean, first of all, you need to go out and roll around the grass sometimes. You know, you need to walk barefoot. You need to literally hug a tree. How can you be a whole human being if you skip? that part of life. Well, we are big proponents of bare feet wandering around here. We call them the summer feet, our kids' summer feet, and we encourage them. Yeah. And one of my big arguments with young parents now is, you know, you need to let your kids go and get grubby and fall down and bleed. And um, they need to have that kind of continual failure to be humans Mm -hmm. and to be confident. And you know, it involves being too cold and being too hot and being too muddy and too wet and all those things. Please, you know, yeah, that's good. It's all good. You say a lot of things that we are advocates for. I mean, we we would like our kids to go and wander and to fall. We talk about this a lot. Like, what do we say? The gift of failure. Like, yeah. go and get dirty, yeah. get, in, get in trouble, and then come back and let's, like, work it out. But you're right. I mean, these days it's very rare. To see kids out wandering, and if you see a kid out wandering, what do we do? We're always like, oh, where's the mom? Where's the mom? Yeah. You know? So there is, it's refreshing to hear that because I think that's kind of, everyone wants that. And nowadays, how do you, you got to find the balance. How do you right. let your kids have a childhood, but yeah. keep them safe with all the things going on today? I don't know. Well, let's talk about a good news place, a safe space, the kitchen okay. table. 
and tell us yes. about your kitchen table philosophy and why is it so important to you? Because this is something that we've heard you speak about before and has really resonated with us. Okay. And behind me, this is not my kitchen table. This is my studio, actually. Oh. And But cool. my kitchen table, which I include pictures in my book, Brownies for Breakfast, because that's where the magic happens Yeah, at home. That was the heart of the the village was at the kitchen table. And, you know, it's always been denigrated. Oh, it's gossip. And it's just, no, 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 no. That's where the real information gets relayed. And, and so uh, it was always, at, and I lost my mom early. She was not well. And, and I was kind of feral. And so kind of feral, very feral. Um, but in my mind, the thing that I always dreamt about was having a home that was safe and um, with some kids and, and I wanted my home to be pretty, you know, and, and comfortable because what else really is there when you think about it? Um, if you don't have that, there's something missing for you. And I've been among terribly wealthy people. I've flown in uh, Gulf streams, you know, I've vacationed with all that, but a house can be too big, yeah. too fancy, too you know, to me, there's there's real sacred space in a kitchen, in a kitchen table where things can be spilled and things can be discussed in a heated way or uh, laughed about or whatever, where monopoly games can be played. But when it comes to meal times, I I'm a big believer in sitting down with utensils and napkins and plates that you kind of like and uh <laughs> You know, and, and having your meal be a visual experience and a sensual experience and a communal experience, food is not just food. Mm. Food is a thing we share with people we care about or want to care about or want to care about us. It's a way of loving people. There, there's no way around that. It's not just grub. But a, but a table, a kitchen table is magic. Yeah. Your secrets there uh, and shared. And I've held some pretty serious political meetings at my kitchen table. Mm. And believe me, when somebody is at your kitchen table and you're a grandma, mm. um, that's some real politics right there. Yeah. Well, I... I think you're spot on. I think that the kitchen table and food is a, is a easy way to bring people together. And I think I think that people know this and we just kind of forget about it. I was talking to a woman the other day and she said, you know, all six of my kids are home for Christmas. And she goes, Amanda, I live in this 3,200 square foot home. We do not have room for all six of these kids. They're big kids. And she said, and what's crazy is they always just want to be in the kitchen. And I said, well, of course they do. You know, yeah. I've got I've got a home. It's got plenty of room. And sure enough, wherever I am, which is usually in the kitchen, my kids yeah. are there because I think there is something about the kitchen. You know, it's warm in there. Mom is there. Food is there. And then you it's put... A it's a hearth. And then you put a reason for people to sit down together and slow down and talk to each other. And who can resist? No one. 
So I do love this philosophy of the kitchen table, and I, I want to bring it back. We're with you. I, I, we got to get it back because it's it's a sacred place. It really is. But Lynn, what's when your grandkids come over, when Helen and Wolf come over, what's on your table? What are you serving for snack time? Well, first of all, they help me. Mm. This is huge. Kids will eat what kids cook, and kids will eat what kids grow. And starting, Wolf is just walking, but he's wiping the table and he's carrying a dish around because it's part of being in a family. It's part of yeah. being in a community from the time you can. And the younger you start, the more the kids, they love doing the things that grownups are doing. They love doing what, what you think is important and what you're spending your time doing. And if they're trained from the get-go, to do that, it's never an issue. Right. It should never be an issue. And so eating is not, and the whole idea now that you see so often of, you know, well, here, we're going to fix this for grandpa. And then daddy's going to have his steak. And then little Mary Ellen's going to have her peanut butter sandwich. Right. And you're going to have his hot dog. Not my kitchen. No. No, no way. Yeah. Um, we eat the same food. And I don't ask anybody to clean their plate, but I am not going to make a special meal for somebody who's not eating. Sorry. Um, within certain little limits, we should all be, sh the whole point in sharing food is that we're sharing food. Yeah. We're, we're sharing food. And you moms have it bad enough now without having to make six meals at dinner instead of one. You know, it just doesn't make any sense at all in any way to me. Um, and I think if kids are from the beginning trained that they eat what what the grownups eat and that they eat with utensils and they drink out of a cup, you know, and all these things that we and then and I know I was just reminding, teasing my youngest because Wolf is just walking, but he loves to clean. Okay. Mm -hmm. It, it, and so, yes, okay, he's 14 months old. He loves to clean. Let's encourage this. Yes. Give him the, let him wipe the table. He loves that broom. Let him sweep the floor. <laughs> this is a great thing. And and why wouldn't we do this? Why would we create uh, a community where it was only females who cleaned anything or right. who cooked? That's crazy. Amen. Right. One thing, one recipe that I uh, saw in your cookbook, Lynn, was uh, the berry, berry good gelato. And yes. I feel like that would be a real hit for kids because what was it's it's bear, it's frozen berries, yogurt, a sweetener. Did you add a sweetener? Yeah. And, and is that it? it? That's it. And you blend it all up and, you know, so it's kind of thick. You serve it like ice cream and they don't know any different. What are some other recipes like that that you are like, this is, a mom's going to love this. Minimal ingredients, really quick. Well, you know, the thing that that I always go back to when people show up at the table and I really, you know, I was planning, which I love. It's like, okay, come on in, let's eat. You can make a pasta dinner so fast. Mm. And there is not a child alive who doesn't love a noodle. I, okay. Everybody loves noodles. And I serve two different kinds that are a particular hit. One is a brown rice fettuccine because Ooh. the size, tension of the noodle, it's very noodly. 
and and it's delicious. I actually don't eat wheat pasta in my house anymore because I prefer, much prefer the brown rice. Hmm. I, I, I don't eat a ton of carby stuff. You know, I limit the number of meals a week, let's say, that, that are heavily carby. And of course, brown rice is going to be carby. But for kids, genius. And what, what's cool about it is you bring the water to a boil. You put some salt in the water when it's boiling. They can dump the whole package of fettuccine noodles in there, bring the, the water back to a boil. And again, I've got the kids standing at the stove, you know, on a stool yeah. and they're watching. And when it comes back to the boil, you put the lid on the pot and turn it off and put the timer on for 10 minutes or nine minutes. Also my chicken timer, uh, all kids love it. It's like, it's great. It's in the book, by the way. Yeah. Makes it Kids absolutely love it. So then, so now these noodles are going to be ready in 10 minutes. So you take a bowl and you put some stuff in the bowl. And depending on what you've got in the cupboard and what the kids really like, what's left over, it, it can be little baby tomatoes, which who doesn't love those? They're right. great. Cut them in half and throw them in the in the bowl. Um, arugula, which you think kids are going to, yes, yes, kids mm -hmm. are going to fine it smells heavenly they need to learn how to chop it mm -hmm. and you, you know you need to to teach knife handling at an early age i'm a believer mm -hmm. and helen can swing that knife around is great mm -hmm. and, and uh wolf's a little young but pretty soon so chop some arugula throw it in the bowl or whatever greens you have just chop them up throw them in the bowl and what else do you have do you have a little leftover salmon throw it in the bowl uh, do you have some Parmesan cheese? Throw it in the bowl. Do, you know, look in, in your fridge and have the kids look in the fridge. What have you got in there? What looks good? Okay, some corn. Yeah, we can throw that in. And you throw all this stuff in the bowl and then you put the hot pasta on top of it and toss it and dinner's ready. Mm. That sounds so good. It does sound good. So See, and it's so and easy. Colorful and it's so easy. And I'm a huge believer, ladies, in eating what you have. The whole idea that you look for, here's your grocery list for this recipe today. What? I'm going to go down and I'm going to buy all this stuff to make this. No, no, no. You open up the pantry and here's your go-to stuff in there. Artichoke hearts. Always have artichoke hearts. Yeah, that sounds They're good. They're great. Um, open up the freezer. What do you got? Frozen peas, of course. Frozen spinach, of course. There's pasta right there. Boom, boom. You can throw those in the microwave, heat them up if you want. That helps, but uh, you you don't, and you know, some spices, you know, what do you have that everybody likes? Some eggs, by the way, much maligned in the past, the best food you can eat. Eggs are fabulous food. If you're a strict vegan, I get it. Um, and there are egg substitutes that work in all the recipes that are in my book, and I suggest that. But if you're not strictly vegan, Eggs are brilliant food. And you can eat eggs every day. It's kind of hard to get too many. Um, I have a recipe in the book, just so classic, um, deviled eggs. But trust me, you've never had deviled eggs as good as the ones in the book. Well, and speaking of color and fun, yeah. your cookbook is full of it. And your cookbook is called Brownies for Breakfast. And it is a cookbook for diabetics, but anyone 
can enjoy it. Yeah, but it's kind of a niche topic. How did you get into, did you ever see yourself publishing, writing a cookbook? Yeah. (laughs) Um. I I love that she's honest. Yes, I did. I achieve things. Yes, I did. I wrote professionally. That's what I did. But the thing, I didn't have time. I'm like you. Um, you know, I was, I was the single mother of three kids for a lot of the time that they were growing up. Uh, I married my husband who was starting his own business at the time. So I remained the sort of sole source of steady income for a while, happily so. Um, but so I was all about making money girls. I was all about putting the food on the table. Right. And fortunately I was in Silicon Valley. And so I could make good money as a writer, which is what, you know, as a freelance copywriter, I worked, I, I was creative director a couple of places and worked in agencies. And then I found that the thing that worked best for me and my kids was freelance because then I'd be there. I was that mom who was home at three in the afternoon when the kids came home from middle school, high school. And, um, and we had a house that could accommodate a bunch of kids romping in the other room, but they also knew that I had my office at home. So there'd be this barking and yelling and all this stuff going on and the phone would ring and we'd go quiet and one would pick it up and go Lindbom creative services. <laughs> so, so they also learned, but this is the thing parents, I think sometimes miss these kids knew that that was their bread and butter. That was the income. And so they learned office manners, office procedures as kids because they had to. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? You know, and and all three of them have come back at various times and said, you know, dang, I learned so much about marketing from you. Just listening to the conversations and watching me do certain things. They knew that I did my work on time. They knew that I cared about my clients. They knew that I treated my clients a certain way, not because I I preached to them about it, but because they watched yeah. all this. Well, that's such a great life lesson or a parenting lesson in general. And we've we've just talked about this recently about when our kids see us doing service. They learn the importance of service. When they see us working, they learn the value of work. When they see us eating or serving these healthy meals, and enjoying them, they then want to do that too. They learn so much from just what they see. It's not what we say. It's what we do. Yeah. It's fascinating. Did we talk about autophagy? No. Would you like to? Isn't that just a great word? It's it's a, a vocabulary word that I'm particularly fond of. Autophagy. It's A-U-T-O-P-H-A-G-Y. It literally means self Eating doesn't that sound cool? Yeah. Um, and what this is, you were you made a reference to intermittent fasting. Yes. This is the actual, shall we say, mechanism that makes intermittent fasting so important to your health. After sixteen to eighteen hours of not ingesting food, this process begins, but not until. They're now thinking 16 to 18 hours research going on all the time. It's the cleaning crew. It's your cells literally eating each other, eating bits and pieces that have fallen off, eating the waste that is throughout your body, 
our cells have this incredible ability to recycle parts. Who knew? I didn't. Yeah. Um, so they're in there busy cleaning up and recycling things to keep you healthy. And if the problem is, if you just keep shoveling pizza in in front of Jimmy Kimmel at night, <laughs> they can't do that. that. Literally, the process cannot take place. And I'm not going to, you know, recite all of the cellular stuff and the um, microbiology that goes with it, because that's just not what I do. <laughs> but they, if you stop eating long enough, 16 to 18 hours, they will do this cleanup that that creates good health. Without this cleanup, you cannot have great health, which you kind of go, that's right, because everything else that we, do, if you don't clean it up, it doesn't work, mm, right? right. You, you, you have to clean things up. So uh, this is the reason that intermittent fasting, and that's kind of a funny, funny, first of all, when you say fasting, people always go, you know, yeah. no food. Um, <laughs> I think of it as stop throwing food down your gullet constantly yeah. because Americans particularly eat all day and all night. So just quit doing that. It's, it's tacky, first of all. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Spoke, spoken how I would like to say, yes, it's tacky. Well, Megan and I participate in fasting uh, at least once a month. I think we unintentionally fast more because we're moms, but <laughs> but I do like, like yes, canny. Yeah. That's right. But I, I like that point because, you know, if you if you are feeding your body, if you are fueling it appropriately in the first place, there will presumably be less crap to clean up when you do go into, um, when you do intermittent fast or you do something like that. So I, I like that. I like your philosophy, Lynn, because it really does build off each other. It's this idea of, Hey, let's just maintain good health and longevity instead of trying to backtrack right. what we've been doing for 50 years. Yeah, It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And if, if moms and parents and, you know, caregivers can, can latch onto this, sooner rather than later. Well, I mean, won't that bless our kids' lives? Mm. I mean, think about the habits that you're showing your grandkids. Lynn, we cannot use all of your time. You have allowed us to use, like, you've been so generous with your time. Before we let you go, Christmas is two days away. Yeah. First question, are you hosting? Second, what are you serving? Yes, I'm hosting. I host here, but it's rather simple. And Christmas Eve is going to be simple salmon. It's in the book. Oh. Um, always, always fabulous. I never get tired of it. And a salad. Um, you know, I make suggestions in the book for, for salad. The, one of the things that I do differently that I highly recommend is balsamic that is fabulous. And I have a local purveyor of apricot balsamic <gasps> and Evans full balsamic. So all you need for a fabulous salad is a great balsamic, a good fresh um, olive oil, salt and pepper. Yeah, boom, easy, You're done, way easy. It's you don't. It doesn't need to have a, and it's whatever fresh stuff you've got, right? Yeah, dump it in. So we'll have a salad. We'll have simple salmon, and then my daughter will bring uh, mashed potatoes because her husband really loves mashed potatoes. <laughs> I get it. nothing 
more delicious than that and, and healthy and yummy. Who doesn't love that? Sweet potato fries. So simple salmon, sweet potato fries, uh, salad, boom, that's Christmas Eve. And my husband made the trip this morning down the coast a little ways to Pie Ranch where they raise heritage wheat. And that heritage wheat gets made into pie crust. And the pie is a buttermilk lemon pie. What? And it is not on program, okay? But I am developing a recipe that will be a sugar-free recipe. And it's the best pie in the universe. I'm sorry. It's oh my, just amazing. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like the best pie in the universe. Yeah. It's an old-timey, we, in the South, we call it chess pie. It's an old-timey idea. Hmm. And simple. And one of those things that you wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh my God, I just need a bite of that. <laughs> just please, I just want one bite. Um, so yes, I eat well. I'm a former diabetic who now is out of diabetic range. But every once in a while, I can be bad too. And <laughs> if I'm going to be bad, I'm going to do it for that. Yeah. For that lemon buttermilk pie, mm. which is just, I got it so good. And then tomorrow, at my daughter's house, up the road four miles, we will have crab and salad and and more lemon buttermilk pie. Beautiful. <laughs> oh. It's simple. You know, it's not complicated, but we live at the coast. Yeah. Too. So good salmon and, and good crab, fresh local yeah. stuff. So it's a matter of where you are and right. what you have. It doesn't have to be a ton. No. And it doesn't have to be the way we did it in the 50s or 60s or 70s. I hope not. Right. Because everybody just gorged on sugar. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you, I mean, you said it yourself. It doesn't have to be a ton, but also I always say less is more. I mean, you always, I do not like leaving meals feeling gorged. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I love asking, I liked, I wanted to ask what was on your menu because I wanted to be inspired because, you know, less is always more. And it's a very well rounded meal. It's simple, it's straightforward. There's no fuss. Like it just, there's no downside the salmon, to having a meal like that. The salmon is done in 10 minutes and yeah. cleaned up and, you know, and I want to spend my time cleaning up everybody's mess in the kitchen. Lynn, thank you so much for chatting with us. We have had such a blast and your message is so encouraging and it's inspiring. And I've been inspired by this. I think I have a list in my head of like oh, all these things we want to do and incorporate. And so thank you so much for taking the time to just talk with us. Love you, ladies. Thank you, Lynn. Happy holidays. We will talk to you soon. You too. Getting to talk with Lynn was eye-opening and such a blast. We learned so much. If you would like to purchase a copy of Lynn's cookbook, Brownies for Breakfast, you can find the link in our show notes. You can also learn more about her at lynnbowman.com. Thanks again to Lynn and all of you lovely listeners for joining us. If you have a question or a comment about this episode, head to our podcast Instagram and find this episode's post. Then share with us your thoughts. And as always, please take a minute to rate, review, comment, leave us some feedback or love. We'll take whatever you have for us because we love you and we appreciate you. Bye. Bye.